Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. I'm your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by... Mason Joseph. And uh, we've got an exciting guest this week who we've uh, wanted to have on for a long time, and they finally worked out. So, yeah. uh, Maddie Kay... Matty K from PA, say hi. Good evening, <laughs> gentlemen. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad we could finally uh, do this. I know we've talked about it for months now. And, uh, yeah. you know, we've seen each other since then, but we finally <laughs> got That's true. Record, yeah. So. yeah. Well, and, and, you know, one of the reasons that I've wanted to have you on always is because you're one of the only other people I know that uh, is a Texas wine drinker. Yes. Uh, I at stand, least regularly. I stand Texas wine very hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, so I thought that this week, this being a uh, – well, this being only two weeks out from Childerberg Dose and we visited a winery while we were at Childerberg Dose, uh, although you weren't able to come with us this time, but Mason was able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought we'd, we'd make it kind of a Texas wine-centric podcast. Uh, I have two articles about Texas wine that I thought were kind of interesting, and then we can just kind of talk about what we've had and uh, what we think Texas does well and – uh, I guess uh, I dig it. There are other. I mean, there's other things going on in the world. I don't know if we really want to address <laughs> any of that. Are there but, really? I haven't been watching the news. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I think I think like a lot of people, me included, like I'm a little bit in shock by how like you know everybody always was like even back in 2016, like when Trump got elected, they were and all these celebrities and stuff were dying and things, and people right. were like, 2016, you're the worst. Like I, I like. <laughs> I want to go back in my Facebook or Twitter timeline and just like look what people were saying back then and just be like, yeah, those were the good old days when like really old celebrities were dying and that was ruining your day. Exactly. (laughs) Well, the the best memes I've seen lately are the ones about 2012 versus 2020 where it's like, you know, 2012 was just messing around. 2020 is actually what should have happened. I think the Mayans had the calendar wrong. Yeah, I I guess so. Like this is, this has definitely been a weird year, but, um, well, like my my yeah, favorite it. part is like 2016. It's like the war in Yemen was super bad. There mm. was like they were. I think it was then they were talking about like a massive cholera outbreak. Right, and yeah, but Americans, were, yeah, exactly. But, but that's that's us. my point. Is like, <laughs> but that's my point. Is like you know, and not to diminish what happened to the guy at all, or you know, the the grossness of all that. It's like so, like one gentleman totally was murdered and didn't deserve that in any capacity. Uh, what about all those Yemenese people that we, you know, yeah. we bombed to death or like, you know, when Madeline Albright said it was like totally acceptable yeah, to kill, it. uh, 250,000 children and use the words as Medicaid said, worth it. It's like you, you guys do realize it's the same government. It, they haven't right, changed. Yeah. Like, exactly. Well, I, I mean, I guess, I guess, in a, on a bright note, before we get into wine, I, I think this do, is kind of a, um, I guess, to use like Malice's common term, this is sort of a red pilling moment for a lot of people, where mm-hmm. you know the, they can come down one way or the other on it, and in either way, you can kind of sort of help this introduce like another. And kind of speaking of Yemen, was my sister was actually out to lunch with my aunt and uncle. And texted me and goes, what was that one country where like a million people were starving to death and like had like a terrible cholera outbreak and stuff? 
and <laughs> that you were telling me about. And I was like, oh yeah, Yemen. She's like, yeah, I'm telling my aunt and uncle about this because it, like in comparison, this is bad for us. But like they were asking about it and they were like, well, the government would never do something like that. And Janie was like, you know, Jake was telling me about this thing that was going on. <laughs> That's the thing. They, they just haven't done it here in a while. We regularly right, do it yeah. overseas. Yeah. It's like, you know, are the the time that, you know, the Tistigi airmen got right. like infected with syphilis and didn't get penicillin, which was exactly. totally available and they knew was useful. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. So, well, but, we but let's try to keep this. Yeah. Let's <laughs> well, digress. Let's, let's try to keep well, this on a slightly on, brighter wait, note. Yes. I've got on a slightly brighter note. Um, I will remind people in the month of June, if you donate to freeross.org and post the receipt to the Childerberg Twitter account up to the first hundred dollars donated. I'm going to match um, because I wasn't able to participate in the fruitcake this year because I was too busy being sick. Um, <laughs> so I'm doing that instead. So hopefully when we're all said and done, um, you know, like a month out, we'll have done $800 uh, to freeross.org. Um, so, you know, yeah, everybody that'd promote be, that'd that. Be excellent. Yeah, especially, yep. you know, all the other shows that may or may not be listening. Um, you know, let's get that out there and get people get people donating because hopefully, you know, we'll it won't be just we barely squeak by <laughs> sure. at the amount and it'll be we crush it and, you know, go well over a thousand um, for free and Ross. Yeah. I think that that's good. You know, he, they've they've incurred a lot of costs working on that. And I think at this point, it's just somebody has to get into contact with the president, uh, whether it be the current president or if he doesn't win re-election, the future president to get a pardon. I think that uh, is very important and it does cost money to fight these legal battles and try to get the word out there. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure that they're very appreciative of that. And we appreciate Mason Matt doing a month of June match. Yes. Get donating. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And uh, so if anybody knows uh, Kanye West or uh, Kim Kardashian, we need to speak that's with right. them. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, but that aside, let's uh, transition into the boozing. Yes. Uh, yes. My favorite portion of the evening. Yeah. What are you <laughs> sipping on tonight, Matty K? Actually, tonight, yeah, I, I am drinking some wine. I know the last time I had you on the show, I was just drinking water, I think. Um so tonight, I have a freshly opened bottle of uh, William Chris uh, Enchante. It's a 2018, and that's a it's a red blend. So it's like 61 percent uh, Cab Sauv, 37 percent Merlot, and just a splash of Petit Bordeaux at two percent. Okay. So yeah, they it, they uh, William Chris is uh, stocked at. There's this French restaurant in. Uh, actually, I was about to say west of us, but it's actually east of us now because we moved to Arlington. But in uh, Oak Cliff. In Dallas, there's this French restaurant that's pretty good. I can't remember what it's called, but they they stock William Chris and they okay. have a really good Movedre, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure you've probably had because you've had a lot of the I, of that area's wine. I'm willing to bet. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm I'm certain I've I've had it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so any anything particular notable about this one? Um, not really, honestly. I mean, I kind of got on a you know we have a a gentleman's wine group in the neighborhood here that that I was a part of before COVID. Um, mm-hmm. and we're all pretty, uh, big on Cab Sauv from, you know, mm-hmm. Northern California. So, um, I, I wish it, it were more Cab Sauvy, <laughs> if that's a, okay. a good description, but it, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's good for a person who doesn't like that, uh, 
punch in the mouth from the leather and all that, you know? Um, yeah. So okay. it's, it's not quite as bold, but you still get that, that flavor. So a little bit of leather, um, you can tell it's been oaked. Um, it's just not, a not super heavy like that. Yeah. Okay. So that I like makes it. Sense. It's good. Okay. All right. Uh, Mason, what are you sipping on tonight? So because I didn't, I, I have a limited ability to get Texas wine. Um, I don't have a Texas wine though. You know, if we if we thought this out a little more, we might have made something work. But um, I have Brutokeo, or it's B U R T O C A O Uberzin. It was a 2013 14.5 ABV out of Mendocino. Um, so, like, one of my parents got me that Groupon for my birthday. This was one of the wines that came with it. Um, so, you know, it's like a real nice burgundy color. Um, I opened it the other day and you know, had a glass and like, I didn't think much of it at the time. Like, you know, it was, it was fine. Um, I was kind of disappointed given like Lodi's in and like kind of how more aggressive that seems to be at times. And like, um, like just more alcoholic cause you know, right. 14.5, it wasn't that strong. Um, but like when I had a glass of it today, like my wife like thought it smelled like bell peppers, um, oh, interesting. and it was very peppery. Uh, I think that's called, that's called herbaceous. Hmm. That, yeah. So that good term. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was really, really strong flavor. Like if it, you know, kind of high acidity, but not like a lot of tannins to it. Um, so like it, it was really good and it like, it was kind of aggressive up front and then like kind of easy sipping and mellow after that first like initial heavy bite. So um, and kind of had like a strawberry in there, which I thought was a little weird, but it was one of those ones where I was like, I didn't pay for this. So this was really cool. But like, I also had, I paid for it after having opened it. And then like, cause you know, like I said, that first time it was like, I didn't really think much of it, but now it's like, Oh, I would definitely buy this again. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that yeah. sounds pretty, that sounds pretty decent. Uh, this week I am doing a Texas wine, uh, one that I got while we were at Childeberg cause we visited uh, Spicewood Vineyard, which Mason, you visited. Mm hmm. Uh, Matt, have you been to Spicewood before? It's in I that kind of general area. No? Okay. Uh, have you been to Ron Yates' uh, vineyard? Or, no, uh, no. It? I'd like to go, but I have not been. Okay. So he actually owns both of these. He owns okay. Spicewood and, and Ron Yates. Uh, this is one of his wines. And he makes he makes decent wine. Uh, it, all the, I got, I've drink, I, I got a, a case while I was there because they give you a case discount. And, uh, and it was, you know, a mix of a whole bunch of different things. And I got three different years of Tempranillos from Oh, nice. Uh, all of them I didn't think were particularly great. <laughs> uh, they, they're, they're, they're good. They're, they're good. This, like, this one is the, the 2015. The 2016, I also, or 2017, I also got, which I thought was okay. Uh, the, I think the, I should look at my notes, but I think it was the 2016, I think was the best of the three. Mm-hmm. And it was not spectacular, but it was decent. Uh, all all three of them are decent, and I've had very good stuff from Ron Yates. Uh, I've also had some kind of okay stuff from them. Uh, they do. I, I thought that rosé that we had Mason while we were there was decent and yeah, that uh, pretty Grenache interesting. Rose. Yeah, yeah. That, I thought that was kind of unique. I I don't know how unique, but pretty interesting. And I, mean, I it's thought that unique for the, Texas, as far as I know, like for like a yeah. Grenache rosé, like you don't like. I mean, what I've mm-hmm. experienced in Texas wine, I don't see that. 
Yeah, but I mean, this is a good place, I think, to grow Grenache. That's that's typically a, a more warm. It's the south of France is very popular to grow there, so it, it would make sense that they grow it here. Although it's, I think it's hotter here than the south of France. But mm-hmm. um, I this Tempranillo, like typically, I really like Tempranillo. These are all hill country Tempranillos. Um, I thought that there's there's been some others that are actually very close to this site, and I think that's kind of interesting because it's sort of uh, accentuates terroir, I guess, or winemaking practices over anything else, because not too far away is Peridinalis Cellars. And I think that their Tempranillo and their Tempranillo Reserve are both really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tempranillo yeah. Reserve from them is probably one of the better Tempranillos I've ever had. Yeah, it's, it, it's they do. They do. A, they do a great job. They're it's it's just very good. It's it's really well done. It's very. Uh, I think Mason, I sent to you just their regular Tempranillo, which I think mm-hmm. is good. But their Tempranillo Reserve, I think, is kind of a step up above that, and it's just very refined. This one, I, I feel like I'm dogging on a little bit because I do like it, uh, and I honestly, if I saw it in the store, I would buy another bottle because it is it is worthy of buying another bottle. It's just that compared to some of the other ones at roughly the same price point, uh, this one I I wasn't like blown away by it, and maybe I'm getting a little bit snobby um, when it comes to Texas Tempranillo because I think Texas does Tempranillo well. Uh, for the most part, um, this one just didn't didn't really stick out to me. It could be the year, could be it could be some other factor. I mean, it did sit in the hot van for a couple of days uh, before mm-hmm. I was able to take it out and and put it into the house where it's cool. But yeah. uh, I, I made a couple of notes on it. Um, so just to, so just so everybody knows, this is the is the Spicewoods Vineyards Tempranillo 2015. Uh, it is from Hill Country, so it's it's one of their uh, I. I think it's all a, it's all actually it says it on the back. So yeah, this is all sourced from the state. So this is all from that uh, that vineyard, which, which I thought was pretty. kind of a cool location. What's yeah, that? It's a very. I was saying it's a very pretty vineyard. Yeah, it's it's very pretty, and it was also interesting because we went to the distillery that was like up on the top of the hill, not too mm-hmm. far away from there, and then you come down to this, and it, like dramatic temperature shift. Yeah which I thought was really interesting. Like down in that little valley where they had all the trees and the running water and all that sort of stuff, it was mm-hmm. like 10 degrees cooler. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the vineyard's like, but at least the tasting area was like that. Uh, so this was a state grown. Um, it's 13.8% alcohol by volume. It was a little bit cheaper than this, but it says the retail price is uh, $26. Uh, at at the place when you buy a case, you get a 10% discount, which is, is pretty typical. Um, usually people will give you a discount if you buy a case of stuff. I bought a case, but it was a mixed case. So I have some other stuff as well that I'm going to probably throughout several episodes be talking about. I do have another bottle of this Tempranillo and another bottle of the 2017, I think, uh, plus some red blends. And I still have, uh, another one of the Sauvignon Blancs, which I thought the Sauvignon Blanc was pretty good. And that was a state as well. Um, which that's not something I would typically think Texas would do well. Sauvignon Blanc. I would think if you're going to do a white, you do Vignet or temp- or uh, mm-hmm. Albarino, uh, yeah. both of which are heavier whites. But they, I thought their Sauvignon Blanc was good, and uh, I thought that rosé was good. But um, tasting notes that I get out of this, uh, it's got um, clearly M's red, red ripe fruit is is pretty pretty much the uh, the dominant thing there is a little bit of like vanilla and like oak spices kind of to it, which it, it, it did spend time in an oak barrel. Um, new, I think it was new French oak for six months. Uh, so it did spend a little bit of time in oak. So you do get a little bit of that. It, it is a drier wine, very fruit forward. Um, decent acidity, uh, 
and decent tannins. They're they're pretty well balanced. Uh, and but it's uh, like I said, nothing in nothing incredible. Not a bad introduction to Tempranillo if, if you were in the area, uh, or if I was at the vineyard, I'd probably order a glass of either this or they had this red blend also that I thought was pretty good. Called um, it was named it was named after one of his daughters, I think. That but it was it was it was very good uh, also. And I thought that was not not too bad. So like they're actually they're they're. The Tempranillos I thought were unimpressive. The, the two red blends that I had, one of them I opened. I thought that red blend was really good. And I'm curious to try the other one, which is called like the Boss or something like that. I have to <laughs> look and see what it is. But um, I, I maybe I'm a little bit more forgiving now about red blends than I used to be. You know, Mason, when you and I started, we only wanted like straight up one grape. Yeah, because we were now, trying to now, figure out what the hell we were drinking. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. But now I'm kind of like I appreciate what people do with blends because they are really kind of – painting a picture a little bit. And uh, so despite all my, you know, brouhaha and all that sort of stuff, I recommend going there and checking out their, their winery or their vineyards. It, it was really nice. It was uh, a pretty area. There's also the nice distillery down the road. So if you are not a wine person, but you are a distillery person and you're, you know, let's say you're dating somebody or uh, you have friends that like wine, you know, you could go to the distillery and then just hop down the road and, and go check out Spicewood Vineyards. It's it's really, I think, five or ten minutes down the road, not far at all. And if you don't have anybody who likes wine or distilled spirits but likes beer, there was two breweries in town about maybe 15 minutes down the road from there. Yeah, um, the, so, the brewery is um, – well, not the brewery, but the winery – not winery. Good Lord, the distillery is Iron Wolf. Yeah, so. Iron Wolf, and then I think the the brewery, one of the breweries, is Save Save the World Brewery in town mm-hmm. there, and the other one was like something Bear. I can't remember what it was exactly, uh, but we we went and had a couple beers there, and it was pretty good too. But um, yeah, so check it out. That's that was that's kind of my review for this uh, Tempranillo 2015 Spicewood Vineyards. It's a Ron Yates vineyard, and uh, he knows what he's doing. He's he's very popular here, and he does a, a lot of different wine. Uh, in Hill Country, they also buy a lot of grapes from English Newsom, I think, in uh, or maybe not English Newsom, maybe just regular old Newsom up in High Plains, and uh, they make a, a lot of wines up there, and uh, it's good stuff. It's good, good. Uh, it's nice to be able to drink something from Texas and, and tell everybody it's good because uh, not a lot of people think of Texas as being the the best wine in the world, but you know, living here, I've had quite a bit. And, and that's one of the reasons Maddie K while we have you on is I wanted to, let's, let's dive right into my first article, which is a, a, uh, a winery that you and I love and you introduced me to. Oh, I think I know and the one you're talking is, about. Yeah. Who do you want to guess? Coleman. That's right. It is Coleman. So Coleman recently, and I think I mentioned this to you while we were at, uh, Childeberg, Coleman has recently won five medals in um, – there's this French wine competition called uh, – oh, what's it called? It's uh, – uh, I'm trying to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it because it's French. It's called like Concours de Lyon. Uh, it is a pretty famous wine competition in France. They've, they've recently added beer and spirits to it as well. But the, the article that I got is called uh, Texas – Texas winery Coleman Cellars earns five medals in French wine competition. That's it's by Claudia. This is a Forbes article. So this is actually even cooler. Uh, and it's by Claudia Al- Alarcone. I'll allow it. 
Yep, I'm not sure if that's exactly how you say it. So uh, here is my summary of the article, and then we'll discuss. Coleman Sellers opened to the public in 2014. Uh, It is owned by Chris and Jennifer Cobb. Their head winemaker is uh, Benedict Rhein, R-H-Y-N-E, Rhein, maybe? Maybe just Rhein? R-H-Y-N-E, okay. Um, I probably have the first name incorrect because it had a lot of accents and stuff on it, so I'm not (laughs) sure what that is, but that's their head winemaker. Um, The five wines, so one of the things that they have quoted for uh, uh, Chris and Jennifer was that they wanted to uh, basically show that Texas could make they could they could basically show that Texas could make good French style wines and produce high quality terroir expressive wines. So uh, they the five wines that they have I will read it out shortly, but it says uh, five of their wines won medals at uh, Concours de Lyon. Uh, Le Concours International de Lyon is an international wine competition in Lyon. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that's right. It's L Y O N. Is that Leon or Leon or Leon? Uh, I think it's Leon. I think it's Leon. Yeah. Yeah. Leon. Okay. Uh, the competition, uh, awards medals for the best wines. And since 2015, I think I mentioned this as well. It also awards best beers and spirits. So it's pretty big, pretty big competition, uh, in 20 or this year, 2020, these are the wines that Coleman won awards for. So the their 2018 Estate Culmination White, which is a blend of Marsan and Roussan. Uh, they won gold for that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, then their 2018 Texas High Plains Vignette, they won gold. Wow. I like that one. 20, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I that one I've had actually, and I, I that one is very good. So uh, that's one of the vignettes that I bought when I went out to go plant with Ricky, who we had on a couple of episodes ago, and I brought that out, and we all had it and and enjoyed that bottle. Uh, they also won um, for their Texas High Plains Reserve Merlot. They won silver. Okay. Then there is uh, their 2017. It is a red blend called Marl M A R L. I think I've had this one. It's pretty good. I like it a lot. Yeah. it's So they won silver for that. It's also a red blend. It's grape source from High Plains. And then they also, for their 2017 Texas High Plains Sangvenese, uh, which is sourced from Newsom Vineyards, which is one that I, I do know. I, I, uh, I know English Newsom, and then I also know Newsom is, a, uh, is another one. And they're apparently not related, but they both are Newsom. So... <laughs> um, they won silver for that. Uh, this is the really cool part of this and something that I think will should really stand out to listeners is that they, they did award hundreds of medals at this competition. But for American wines, they only issued nine medals. Hmm. And five and, of those went to Coleman. Right. Yeah, went to Coleman, which is – I remember what you told me about it when I was going through there. I was like, hey, do you have anything to recommend? And you said Coleman. And so I made a special point to specifically go there. Mm-hmm. And I, I did think it was awesome. And there was actually a couple others that I thought were cool places, but didn't have great wine. Uh, we've actually, I think I've reviewed several of them on the show. Uh, but but Coleman, I everything I had from there was really good. Just really high quality. Uh, and just 
I, I was very impressed by that. And I know that you and your wife go up there from time to time and uh, I, I guess you used to be part of the wine club or did you just go visit? Yeah, we still are part of the wine club and, and Coleman is definitely one of our favorites up there. Um, and really, I think what sets them apart from from other uh, wineries and vineyards in the area there since, you know, Fredericksburg is kind of becoming a thing for wine now over the last you know 20 years or so. And uh, people go just because they expect wine. Like, you know, you get bachelorette parties and stuff like that. But a lot of the wine out there is really kind of crappy wine. Like they're, they're just pulling yeah. in the tour buses and stuff. Right. But sure. Coleman is really serious about it. Um, they, their winemaker is French. So uh, they felt locked into the, you know, the French wine community is very strict on what you can and cannot do with the wine. Um, mm-hmm. So move to America, be able to stretch your legs a little bit, make some really good wines. Um, and what they do there is they have a chef who, does simple food pairings with their wine and no one else does that. So you get a, you get a small bite with your glass of wine during the tastings. Um, and the idea is that it can be stuff that you grab from your pantry, uh, to make like a, you know, like a Super Bowl party pairing or something like that. So it's not like high end, you know, some sort of like souffle or they're not like, you know, grilling scallops, you know, in the back of the the, the winery (laughs) or anything. Um, they're putting chips and spreads and things like that. And it's, it's a different experience than you get when you're just doing a tasting at some of the other vineyards, even some of the really good yeah. ones. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that a lot. I did have to wait a little while for that because it's very popular. So if anybody's going out there to, to do a tasting, it, make reservations in advance because it is uh, popular and crowded. Yep. So, yep. and want, a lot of times too, sure. I think twice now we've actually had Chris Cobb do our tasting. Oh, really? Okay, they're that's they're cool. very, they're very accessible there. Uh, we also did a tasting once that, that Chris led where I think it was at the, one of their rosés, I think it was at their Hensel, um, whatever grower they're by the grapes from, he was also in the tasting with us. Like it's, it's just, oh, a, that's cool. yeah, it's, it's kind of a different place for the, the level of wine that they produce. They're not as hoity toity as you might expect. If that makes sense. Yeah. They, yeah, they really do produce good wine and compared to some of the other places there, it does seem like once you get there, you're like, Oh, maybe it is going to be a little hoity toity, but once you get inside, everybody's super friendly. Yep. Uh, they're very, it's, they're very willing to quickly give you recommendations, which yes. is nice. Uh, and all of their staff can do that. So even if you can't get a tasting though, there's, there's staff there that'll say, Hey, well, what do you like normally? And they can give you sort of a recommendation based off of that, which I thought was cool. Cause I, I waited for a while. And since I was driving all the way out to Marfa, I was like, well, can I just get like a glass mm-hmm. while I wait? But I don't want to have like five glasses while I wait. <laughs> sure, sure. Which is, which is my normal, my normal yeah. drinking <laughs> level. But, <laughs> oh, and also uh, pro tip, if you may not have done this, but definitely get their herbed almonds. Um, oh, really? And then save the glass jar because you get like a discount on the refill when you go back. So, Oh, cool. Yeah, no, that definitely is, that do is that. A good pro tip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there was, and I remember like down the street from there, there's, a, I, I won't name, name any of the other ones. Uh, I will name the ones I liked and I won't name the ones that I don't like. Uh, down the street from there, there's like two or three that are like kind of clearly gimmicks, like gimmicky wineries. They do have grapes there. They make some wine from it and it's just not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's a, there's a negotiation down there as well uh, called, um, I think Vivino, not Vivino, Vinovium maybe? Vinovium, yes, I think. Vinovium. Yeah. They actually have several wines there that are not great, but they also have the, there's like a sketch line that they have okay. that they carry. That sketch line is really good. They've got several different ones. Uh, I don't, 
I don't know who's making them because they're they they basically are they do have a, a press and all that sort of stuff there, and they they hire it out so people can make wine there, and that's what they do. But they also in their tasting room they have a bunch of different wines, right? And uh, that sketch stuff I thought was really good. I think Mason, I might have sent you one. Maybe maybe not. Um, I don't think so, but. Yeah, I'm not not sure from there. Okay, but yeah, very that very good on that on that road. What, is there anything else that you think people should check out if they're going to go check um, out Coleman Cellars? Yeah, if you're going or to just Coleman, in that general area, um, William Chris is right nearby. Um, Perdinalis is not far away either. You have to get on a, off on a county road, but it's 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 not far and it's worth the drive. Um, also, Calais is is out there. Um, I've not had a chance to go, but I've had several of their wines from a friend of mine who loves them and. Honestly, for French style wines, Calais is really, really good. And I think um, I don't know if Coleman's involved, but I know they've, they've partnered with with William Chris as well. I think it's William Chris, um, sort of like a JV, and they're doing the specific line of French wines. Um, I've not had any of those yet, but yeah. So, so Calais is really good. And there's another one who who Chris recommended to me, and I don't remember the name of it. It's like Ad add Astra or something like that. It, it's, it's out there near there. Um, it, it's quite good. And also if you're there um, and you're with a, a partner or whatever, a friend who does not like wine, um, definitely go check out uh, the distillery there. It is uh, Garrison brothers. So if you like bourbon okay. or one of your friends likes bourbon in between wine tastings, go do that. Cause it's, it's pretty good. Oh, okay. Yes. There is in that area, which is, I mean, this is not close to it. Let's let let me do a Google search because I want I want to know uh, <laughs> Coleman Cellars to Sibony Cellars because I like Sibony. I don't think I've ever done that one. It is um, my dog is chewing on his toy right here in my ear. Stop that! <laughs> Come here, buddy. Go over there. Uh, I can never. I never know how to spell it. Sibony Cellars. There it is. Yeah, Sibony Cellars, which is is actually on the same site as Hawkeye, uh, Haw- or Hawk Shadow Estate Vineyard. Okay. Um, but it's it's like I think it's like significantly south of that. I'll cut out the dead air, but I really want to know now. <laughs> You're on a mission. I know. Classic Jacob. I know. I, 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 I'm like, oh, it's yeah, it's about an hour away. Or forty it's forty five okay. minutes away. Gotcha. So uh not quite in the area, but I mean if you're on if you're on if you're doing like a day in that area, then that may that might be the might be kind of fun to go sure check out Sibony as well. And that's a their winemaker the only well, this is like a weird a weird reason why is I I'm a big fan of uh wine for normal people. And she and there's not very many women winemakers, but Sydney Sellers has a female winemaker and they make really good wine. I think Uh, whether, you know, I don't really care one way or the other, what gender the winemaker is, as long as their wine is good. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, they do, they do push that. It is, it's not very common. Well, the the seller itself doesn't, but uh, Elizabeth knows her and kind of pushes that. The other reason I like Sibony is the, her, I think it's her husband. Who's like, either co-owner or also one of the winemakers. Uh, they work together there. He wrote 
an editorial or a, or an op-ed about that law that they were trying to pass to force everybody to join the Texas Wine Growers Association oh. against it. Okay. So I, I, and I read through his arguments for it. He wrote like a really long article about it. And I was like, and actually I think we might've done an episode on this or at least mentioned it, Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really well thought out. I wouldn't say it was like expressly libertarian, but it was very, it was very like, don't get in bed with the government because you don't know what you're going to get kind of thing. So, and he kind of goes into like other places where, where he's going like, Hey, they did this and this didn't work out well for them. This is Texas. We're independent spirited. We don't need anybody telling us to do it one way or the other. If you want to join the wine growers association, cool. I'm a member of the wine growers association, but do not pass legislation to force people into the growers association. We don't need it. Right. And, uh, it was, I, I was thoroughly impressed by that, which also probably is a change my opinion of their wine too. I, I hadn't had it up until that point, but I made the point <laughs> to go find it. Uh, after, after I read it, I was like, I must go find this wine now and support them. Uh, <laughs> and I just thought that was, I, I thought it was really cool. And I, and I like that they have it. So I try to plug them every once in a while. It was actually, what's funny is that it's, it's exactly, it's exactly 40 minutes away from Spicewood Vineyard, which is what I'm drinking tonight. And 45 minutes away from Coleman Cellars, but Spicewood and Coleman are only 55 minutes apart from each other. So it's like, it's kind of yeah, it's like a there. weird, yeah, it's a weird triangle that you have to go down, <laughs> uh, go down to get, but like, you know, you could, you could make a day of it and maybe, maybe we'll think about doing something like that for Childeberg three. There you and, go. Uh, do, do a nice, uh, nice tour of, a, of several of these wineries. Um, I do have another article, but do you want to? Do you guys want to discuss any more about Coleman or any of the wineries in that area before I go to the next article? No, um, I think so. Yeah, we've probably covered it. I mean, I, you know, I, Coleman, like I said, is one of my favorites. Um, we're a member there, also Pernalis and uh, William Chris, and of course, there's there's the bigger ones out there. I mean, there's the old school, you know, Messina Hoff, which yeah, it's which you is know, big. it's yep. it's big, it's but okay. it's sort of like table wine, you know. Yeah, to me, yeah, to me anyway. Exactly. Um, and not that uh, I, have I, I, I agree. They they have a uh, they have a tasting room here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, well, actually, in Grapevine, which is thirty minutes north of here. Um, and and I would agree. Yeah, table wine. They do have a couple of things that are surprisingly good. Um, I wouldn't say surprisingly good. You taste their regular stuff, and you're like, okay, this is fine. This is you know, like you say, table wine. And then once in a while, they have a couple of things where you're like, wow, they made this? And <laughs> sure. it's not it's not outstanding, but in comparison to the other things, it's outstanding, I guess. Uh, I, I always kind of put them in the same category as Iano, but Iano has the same thing where once in a while, like they have something that's actually pretty good. Right, right. Um, and then, uh, then I would say like a step above that would be um, – also a big one that's like available in Kroger and stuff like that is uh, I'm, I'm going to blank on the name. Um, probably man, Becker. Uh, it, Becker. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, the one. Becker. You know, they're, they're probably better than Messina Hoff. You're right. I, I just, I'm not a fan of Becker. I know there's some people, they love them, you know, like that's, that's their favorite wine. I, I've always been, yeah, Becker, but, yeah. but their facility is beautiful and they grow, uh, is it like Sage or something like that out back? It just, it's, it's a cool place to go. Um, relatively accessible, you know, for families and stuff like that. Um, yeah. 
we also used to go to Grape Creek a lot before they got really, really big. Um, okay. And I don't like them as much after they got really, really big. Okay. I, I like yeah, a so little I guess, in, inconsistency in my wines, you know, from, from right, like right. boutique type type winemakers. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they've, they've kind of nailed it now that they're very big and very successful. So you just don't really get that inconsistency anymore. So it's just kind of, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's still really, really good wine. It's just not as interesting to me as it used to be. Right. Yeah. And well, and that's one of the things I learned about um, Becker was that, what you can get at Kroger for the most part is just kind of okay. Like it's it's. I, I would say I would say yeah, a step above Messina Hoff, but not outstanding in any way. You know, maybe, maybe good table wine. Sure. Then when you get into like their reserve collection, mm-hmm. it is it's actually a step above that, and it's interesting and not expensive. And that's one of the things I kind of like about them. Is uh, but you do have to go to either Specs or Total Wine or somewhere like that to get the reserve stuff. So like their Tempranillo Reserve is. I wouldn't say it's outstanding, but it's it's much better than their regular Tempranillo in, sure. in comparison. Sure. Um, so it's kind of like one of those weird things where uh, it's it's interesting. It's interesting how uh, you know, like like we can get we can get a lot of stuff from California readily available anywhere, and uh, like what you're talking about, like California Cab Sobs. You mm-hmm. can get really good California Cab Sobs for very affordable, very widely available, even out here. But it's interesting that at the stage, I mean, you know, Texas wine growing tradition is only 25, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting how it it does – it is difficult to scale. Uh, sure. And so you, you do get a lot of these kind of mass producers that I would put more along the lines of something like, you know, Yellowtail or, or Barefoot or something like that where it's mm-hmm. just not great. Right. Uh, although it is a little bit higher in price because it's – local or, or relatively local. Sure. But, um, but then you do, then you go and you have to either order it online or visit the location to get something that's truly outstanding. Like what, what they're doing at Coleman or what I think they're doing at Simony, uh, analysis, which I think we're on pretty good agreement on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement on Coleman too, but Simony, you haven't tried yet. Um, uh, Ron Yates, I think does, does a good job. Uh, but that's also one that you sometimes can get it at like Kroger or whatever, but most of the time it's going to be at like, Total Winer Specs, if it's there, right? Uh, and um, they have there's, there's actually a market here. I can't remember what it's called. Um, I can't I can't remember what it's called, but they they do actually rotate through a lot of Texas wines. It's but it's limited selection, so they'll have like ten bottles of something or or a case of something, and then it's gone. Gotcha. Uh, which is kind of kind of neat. When I was out in um, Lubbock doing harvest with. Uh, uh, um, Bull and Vineyards. I, I went and did a harvest with them, and, th- and their wine's very good too. Uh, they only, I think, they only offer four right now, but uh, they had a much better selection at their local Kroger, and their and they had um, it was it wasn't HEB, but it was something along those lines, and um, they had a really good selection of Texas wines there, but it was all High Plains Texas wines. So there's, there was nothing from Hill Country there, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so that, that's kind of neat. I think that's kind of interesting to see how the how the market develops and what you can get, where you can get it. Uh, it always surprises me that there's not like an exclusive Texas wine store in Dallas because you think when people fly in and they do a little business here or whatever, mm-hmm. while people are here, they kind of want to see what's Texas. You know, it's it's Texas is very famous for being Texas, so you'd think that they want Texas stuff. So. Uh, but they, there isn't anything like that here. You can, there's one restaurant downtown that has 
uh, a very large selection of Texas wines, uh, but it's mostly stuff that's pretty easy to get. Uh, I'm not bad stuff, but pretty easy to get. They don't have any anything like Messina Hoff or anything like that. It's usually the higher higher end, uh, widely available stuff like uh, McPherson's. Um, uh, McPherson's they have some of the reserves for Iano and some of the reserves for Becker, and then there's a couple others that I, I wasn't familiar with. That I didn't have any, but anyways. I'll digress again. All I hear is that you've identified a gap in the market and you have failed to fill it so far. So far. I mean, like Mason <laughs> and I've actually talked about it because like, I do feel like there's a gap in the market, at least in respects to me. Sure. But sure. I do, but I talk to other people around here and they don't really, a lot of times they're like, Oh, Texas wine. That must yeah. not be good. It's right. too hot here or something. And I'm like, you, you don't know anything about wine. How did, what, what would make you think it's too hot here? <laughs> Pretty much but, uh, everyone that isn't us that talks about wine says Texas true. is too hot for wine. <laughs> like yeah. our go-to well, expert I mean, who we, we haven't talked to yeah. in a while, you know, Jackson, he's always kind of like, you know, it, it's it's clear he's not telling you that you're full of shit, but, you know, it's kind of yeah. like you, you've got that feel where he's kind of like, you know, I, I know this is what you think and I like everybody to enjoy their stuff, but, uh... <laughs> Well, you know, and that was the thing is when I went out to that DC wine tasting, the theme for the DC wine tasting was American wines, not from California. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of them were uh, north of the Mason Dixon line and uh, well, north of the Mason Dixon line. So that was basically, it was all Oregon, Washington, uh, New York, Finger Lakes region. Uh, There was some uh, from Virginia. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would be south of the Mason-Dixon line. Correct. Uh, there was a couple from New Jersey. There was a couple from Long Island, which was interesting. Um, but there was a good showing from Texas. And the host of this, Elizabeth, who does wine for normal people, she talked to me about it a little bit. And she was like, I'm actually surprised that, that of what they're producing. This, I think, was all pretty good stuff. She did tell me, start out on... She said, I, I line these all out to be what's going to blow your palate out. So she's like, start on the New York side because that's not going to blow your palate. And as you go, as you go further south, your palate's going to get more and more fatigued because the further south you go, the more bold it is. Mm-hmm. And and she's right. Like I started out with these very, very delicate white wines or uh, vignettes um, that were way more delicate than what I normally think of as a vignette. These super delicate Cab Francs. And then just I go from Finger Lakes region, then it goes to like Washington. And although I would say Washington was more bold than like Virginia, Virginia actually had some very delicate ones. But then you go from like there, then like down into like New Jersey, Long Island, or um, then down into Virginia. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the all of the places they had. But anyways, eventually you get over to Texas, and everything that Texas has is like these just like tongue bombs where they're just like, here's a whole bunch of heat. Here's a whole bunch of like spice and flavor, lots of fruit, yep. lots of all this stuff, but it, good stuff. And that's what I enjoy. Like that's the type of wine I like to drink. Mm-hmm. So it, it just depends. I think on, on people's palate. Like if people are into Zinfandel, like what you're drinking Mason, or they're into the, the bold and heavy cab sobs, which you were talking about earlier, Matt, like uh, these can be a Texas red, Kind of is more along those lines. They're 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 a lot bolder. They they can make stuff that's a little bit more refined, as Coleman has shown mm-hmm. that that they do. They can make stuff that's a little bit more refined, a little more balanced, a little bit more delicate. But uh, that's just not typically what you're going to get from a place that's as hot as it is here. 
Sure. Uh, you're also, I mean, like this, or this Tempranillo that I have is, is almost 14% ABV. Uh, one of those Merlots that I got from Trilogy, which Trilogy's dissolved now. It's a, it's three different um, sellers, but one of them is Rowdy's, uh, Rowdy Bullen's uh, vineyard. And they were approaching 16% on Merlot. Oh, wow. And it's like 15.4, 15.5 or something like that. And it's like, it's a Merlot. Like, that's not what you'd expect. Uh, and then the Malbec was at like point point oh two higher, point or point two higher, I guess. Uh, it was like, they were both really close, but they won some awards as well because they do have the flavor component. They just, they just have these very high alcohol content. And you get that out of a long growing season like we have here where stuff is going to sit on the vine in a hundred degree heat for several months at a time. Right? Yeah. Uh, which is it's cool. It's different. It's interesting, and that's one of the things that's cool about wine is it, it does really express where it's from. Sure, sure. Um, all right, you guys want to move on to my last article? Yeah. So this is is topical to some degree uh, because if you guys remember, we were quarantined recently because of a pandemic. Do, do mm-hmm. you remember that? That was like thirty I, I'm years old ago. Enough to yes. remember. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like thirty years ago, but you know. Um, you know, we've we've been in riots now for sure, sure. The, the last thirty years, so we're not paying attention to that anymore. Nobody has to be quarantined anymore because apparently we were all going to die. But it's okay to kill grandma if uh, it's for racism, I guess, right. or, or, against, or right. against racism. Kill so, grandma for racism. That's that's yeah, the, right. The <laughs> quote quote from Jacob. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, but this article is from two weeks ago, which is sort of funny because two weeks ago we weren't thinking about this at all. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was this all all of the stuff that kind of led to the current explosion. Although, although I guess the quarantine lockdown contributed a lot to it, but the uh, George Floyd situation that went viral and people clearly saw this officer basically suffocating this person to death, while four other officers stood around and picked their noses and watched. Um, that that is what sparked it. That happened while we were at Childeberg. So we we went we basically went away. I was I had no internet there, so I had no idea what was going on, and it was kind of like entering a portal and then coming out in the world. It changed. Uh, mm-hmm. I agree. Which is it's of it's course, interesting. I, I got out faster than you did, but that's I, true. I still agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. So very very weird. Uh, but this article is it's called um, Texas Wine Tasting Rooms Tiptoeing Forward Amid Pandemic. It's by uh, Dale Robertson. Uh, this was actually a week before Childeberg, this article. It's, it was from uh, May 19th. Or no. This is four, four days before Childeberg. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, the, basically the article, and the reason I, I was happy that I stumbled upon this is that it is, it ha- it, part of it interviews Ron Yates, uh, who is talking about how he's like, he, and, he, and he kind of, comes at this sort of from an entrepreneurial perspective where he says like, this is really kind of hurt my business, but as an entrepreneur, we have to figure out how to get through it. And one of the reasons that this hit hurt his business, Mason, you and I've talked about this a little bit before is that a lot of Texas wineries and also pretty much wineries outside of California, but even a lot in California, um, they make a large amount of their money from foot traffic coming to their tasting rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia has this a lot too. So, uh, this whole pandemic thing has really threatened a lot of these wineries and vineyards businesses because if they can't move the product, they don't have the margins or the resources available to 
sustain a you know two or three month lockdown. Um, and so they kind of get into this, but Ronnie talks about it a little bit in there, and he, and he basically says, "Look, as as an entrepreneur, there's other other wineries in the area as well. We all have to kind of think about this: is how are we going to change our business going forward to account for these types of things? And uh, different ones are taking different approaches. A lot of them have have uh, doubled down on pushing online sales and uh, and drive by pickups. But as we know." A lot of these are far outside of cities, far, far outside of suburbia, and it's not really convenient for people to come do the drive-by. So they've really stepped up uh, discounts for wine clubs, uh, different other types of discounts for coming and picking it up. And they're also, like like the article says, they're tiptoeing to reopening. So like one of the things that Ron Yates said is that he was going to be keeping – let me go back to that portion of the article. Uh, he was going to be keeping his outdoor – tasting tables 50 feet apart oh wow i when well, when he was talking about it i was i was like you and i went to spice woods a couple of days later mason which is mm-hmm. one of his one of his uh one of his vineyards um i don't know how far 50 feet is would you I, have, would you say that people were that far apart there i i would say that people were that about that far apart but there wasn't it, it was like people were just kind of wherever they wanted to be but it wasn't okay. like they were like the 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 winery itself didn't really kind of put people next to each other but like you know there were big groups i mean it was texas so like there was big groups people were hanging out you know near each other well i mean we kind of sat near each other but like yeah like people would come by to buy wine or like where they were having people like float in, you know, like mm-hmm. where you would go in to like enter the place. But like all of that was definitely like closer than 50 feet. But like, I think the seating was 50 feet apart. I, I think that would be a fair description. Okay. That, that, I mean, that makes sense. So they, they also went into apparently nearby uh, Ronnie. It's primary location is uh, Lewis sellers, which is uh, owned by Doug Lewis uh, he was putting caps on the amount of people who are allowed to come to the area at any given time. Peritonella Cellars, which is also pretty nearby there, uh, they they were limiting theirs to um, visitors could only uh, taste for 45 minutes uh, <laughs> before, and then they have to make a purchase and leave. Uh, and then the fuck they out. also, uh, <laughs> yeah, basically, and that it was limited to six people at a time. Um, Interesting. Now that's, I think, I think that means the tasting room. That doesn't mean the outdoor portion. So a a lot of these places were saying, no, we're going to, we're going to open the outdoor portion and just put the tables far apart because that's kind of what the law was saying. Sure. Um, But yeah, so they're, they're kind of, that was sort of something they were having a hard time with, with sort of deciding what they're going to do because a lot of these places, like, like I said earlier, they make their money by having, you know, live music, which we saw at the distillery. They've got like a guy who's just doing live music. People come out there, they chill out for the day, get, get tipsy or, or drunk. You know, they have like we did, we had a designated driver uh, for the wine van and they drink however much they want to drink. They listen to live music. They maybe go play some Frisbee golf or bocce ball or cornhole or whatever's available at the location and just have a good old time. And that is part of the business model. Uh, right. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this impacts Hill Country wineries. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to sell enough that it's not that big of a deal. 
by transitioning onto online. But I thought that was interesting that they were all that they basically were like, look, this is part of being an entrepreneur is you have to kind of roll with the punches. It sucks that that we have to lock down, but we want people to be healthy. And they're telling us that this is, you know, serious. Uh, so, um, you know, we're going to try our best to figure out ways to make it so that people can still stay healthy, but also buy our wines and and enjoy coming to the vineyard, which is a, a primary portion of the business plan. So, uh, any thoughts on that, guys? Well, hey, so, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead Mason. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Well, I, I don't know. You know, that was two weeks ago now, but I don't know where things stand today as far as wineries and breweries and um, uh, distilleries. Uh, do you know, are, are they are they open like restaurants are or? Yeah. Are so right of- now, right now, uh, it, it's, it's also a city by city thing. Okay. So uh, Will and I actually went to a brewery last Sunday and um, they had, they had restrictions. So it was, they had like every other table was blocked off. Uh, they they were not allowing a lot of people inside, right? And then every time you went and ordered something, if you put your hand on the bar, mm-hmm. they like, immediately came by and disinfected it. Right. So right. they had like a person standing by to do that. So it's kind of like it's kind of like re- restaurants. There is a there's a capacity limit. Um, I think they're allowed to be at like seventy five percent capacity right now. Okay. Uh, and and then the same thing is true for wineries, but it kind of depends on the county that they're in or the city if they're in a city, and. Uh, because I know that like uh, Travis County was was continuing some lockdowns, like full lockdowns, until like uh, like June fourteenth or something crazy. Oh my god! Which they may have walked back since since then, because that was like it was right before Childerberg they exp- expanded. It. That's one of the reasons we got kicked out of Emma right. Long. Um, but uh, there's also like you get out to the county, and there's a lot of people who don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was clear when we were at Spicewoods that they did seem to care a little bit about it because there was, uh, you know, when we got there, the lady was like, hey, we're not doing tastings, but you can kind of like sit at any of the tables. No, they they and, were doing tastings. It was a 45-minute wait. Mm. Uh, oh, that oh, was that what, the, what it was? Yeah, oh, that, okay. was the, that was the issue. Is they, were doing a ta- they were doing tastings. It's just they may not have been doing them at the frequency they normally would have done them, but it got was it. Okay. busy. So, and okay. like we, yeah. I mean, it was, like, that, yeah, it was definitely, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely busy, but yeah, it was. And then same thing with the distillery, the distillery was very busy. Yeah, uh, and, and those and to guys me, didn't they, seem to care about anything. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's what <laughs> it seemed to, like, to me was, they were just like, whatever, I guess they're, they're, the main room was closed. I think. Uh, uh, indoor yeah. I think they weren't doing seating in the indoor room. Yeah. Like, and I think also, but I think in the shop. And I think some of that for the seating in the indoor room, I think some of that was because of blue laws, not because of the COVID thing. I, you, you're probably right there. Okay. Cause I, I asked the, the one lady and she's, and I said, are, you know, can we go into the AC area? And she's like, yeah, you can go in there, but we can't sell you anything in there because we can't do liquor sales, uh, by the bottle on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, so, which was kind of weird, but, uh, yeah. Welcome to Texas. I, I mean, that, yeah, exactly. Like a, a whole different thing, but we and we happen to be there on Sunday. Which, although the eight can do wine sales, but uh, it, anyways, I'm not going to argue that right now. But yeah, welcome to Texas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's I think that's interesting. Um, but yeah, to kind of to answer the question, it seems like it's more of a location by location thing. I, I have heard that uh, in a lot of places that have a more severe lockdown, breweries are still under quarantine and are going out of business. Oh wow. Um, 
California has had a lot of problems with their wineries going out of business, actually, some of the smaller ones. So there's been a couple of breweries. I see it, I see it come across my timeline once in a while that like X brewery went out of business. And, you know, to some degree, Mason and I had kind of talked about this a little bit is like how many of those should have been out of business a long time ago anyways. Right. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, you know, COVID maybe pricked the bubble, but at the same, but you know, the, the bubble was created by the fed and that's kind of what a lot of these got open. So like, I still feel bad for them because whether or not their beer was good or bad, they were able to open up because they were able to get really cheap loans to open up. Sure. Uh, and so it, and also Mason, and I've been kind of tracking it for a while anyways. Like there are a lot of breweries going out of business just in general before all this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, or, 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 or deciding to close down because they weren't making enough, you know? Yeah. It's right. like, it, it, you know, it's very hard to say like how many of them really were like shutting down because of like COVID and how many of them are where like, it's just that extra push that they didn't need to, you know, kind of shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and actually to kind of go to one thing, this is a, this is a, not a brew pub exactly because they don't brew anything there, but uh, a restaurant that has lots of beers on draft, which Hopcat, where my sister worked, good news, uh, they decided not to go out of business or they were able to secure financing to not go out of business. So Jory got her job back, which is nice. Uh, I guess the bad news of that is that she's taking a pay cut because the the benefits from all of what's going on right now have been good enough that she actually is going to take a pay cut to go back to work, but she's going to go back to work because she thinks in the long run, it's going to be better for her. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, but they end up two weeks in, they said, we can't pay the rent or any of this sort of stuff. Like, and we can't keep people on. So they basically fired everybody and told the landlord of of the building, we can't, we can't stay. And I guess through, everything that's going on, they were able to work it all out and start hiring people back. Uh, and they called her immediately cause she's a good waitress and, and has a lot of beer knowledge and was like, can you please come back? And she was like, she messaged the family and was kind of like, I- I'm going to go back because I think it's going to be good for me in the long run. But at the same time, like we're going to lose money by me going back to work, which is kind of plays to another point, which is, you know, if you're going to pay people to stay at home and you're paying them, because you know unemployment's based on an average, so if you're paying them more than they and I actually I think it's on an average, and they're giving an extra like six hundred dollars a month or something like that. That's yeah, cool. it's just an insane amount of like government insert funding that they yeah. get. To yeah, it. so there's a lot of people that even if they're offered their job back, the incentives are not to go back uh, unless you're very forward thinking, which. Luckily, Jory is trying to think of the future and going like, no, in the long run, it'll be better for me to have this job uh, than to receive, you know, unemployment until it runs out. Sure. Uh, But, you know, it it is. It's one of those weird kind of things. But yeah, so very long winded way to answer. I think it's a case by case basis. I'm not sure how many are, are. I'm not sure what the foot traffic is like up here. It seems like things are pretty much back to normal. Um, other than everybody's wearing masks, which is not my favorite thing. But, uh, <laughs> as far as like the, when we, like we went out to lunch today and, and the restaurant was moving, like there was a lot of people in there and, uh, they were, we went to sushi. It was a, it, they had the, we went to like one of those like revolving sushi. So they, it's like on a conveyor belt, the sushi's delivered to you. Mm-hmm. They had the conveyor belt shut down. So you had to like order it and then they would like shoot it out to you uh, on this like fast conveyor belt. The express um, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, like 
at those types of places, you have two. You have like the right. the belt that kind of moves through slowly, and then if you want something specific, they'll shoot it out to you. That's right. Yeah. Um, so like that was the only thing that was different, but like besides that, everything pretty much seems normal. Uh, but I don't know. That's just my experience. I also don't go out a huge amount. Yeah. Well, I just asked because, like you said, I mean, the wineries that we like, the, the Texas style wineries. Um, I mean, they they absolutely depend on people coming in to buy things. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't have the distribution that a large uh, factory type winery might, or one of the more popular ones from California, say, or Washington. Um, so, it, I mean, they're not they're not going to get by just on you know memberships alone. Um, yeah. So I, I hope all the ones that we know and love make it out of this okay. I I, I follow Coleman on Instagram. They seem to be doing okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, William Chris is a bigger one. Perdinalis is a little bigger one. Um, they, and they can all be, even even Coleman and some of the smaller ones too, they can all be found in, you know, Total Wine or Kroger or whatever from time to time, right. or at least Total Wine. Um, but I, I got to think that most people aren't going to be browsing the wine selection and stumble across that because they're not really stocked out with everybody else. They're stocked off in the Texas section. So Right. Yeah, and you kind of have to go look for Yeah, if you're not going specifically for a Texas wine or for that maker – um, they're not going to get that sale. So, right. and, and they're not out, you know, in restaurants and stuff like that due to the distribution thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, everybody, please, if you like a business, whether it be a winery, a brewery, a distillery, a restaurant, please go visit them frequently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they and, need your dollars and, to yeah. stay in business. They do really. I mean, this is a, a really, and then kind of to like put a little icing on that cake is, they are offering loans to a lot of these businesses. Now I think, I think that wineries and distillers are excluded, but um, restaurants they are offering these like loans, but they come with like ridiculous strings attached. Sure. Um, so that's kind of like one of the, like one of the strings attached, I think was like, they couldn't fire anybody. Mm. Uh, there's a, there's a staff reduction uh, clause in it, but it's okay. like, so the idea, and this is the, the weird thing about the, the loans. Mm-hmm. So they've, they recently they passed an update on Friday to extend the time period. And basically, I mean, it's clear that the Congress is doing basically everything to ensure that the loans don't have to be repaid. Like they've, they've really gone out of their way. Um, okay. To like, cause the IRS came in and said, Oh, if you purchase any capital equipment with this, which you could do to a certain point, cause it was 75, it was 70, like 70 to 75% on like payroll. But mm-hmm. like if you're a restaurant with like four people, rent's more expensive than payroll. Um, right. So they dropped it down to 60 or something like it's like a 60, 40 split now. Um, but like if you, you know, bought a new capital piece of equipment, like say a stove or something like that, you wouldn't have been able to deduct it um, mm. because it's like the business expense. So like that's what they were like the IRS was doing this. I mean, like the, like it's weird, like how the administration and I think it's like, I don't, you know, obviously I'm not a fan of the IRS, but I think they were applying the rules that were written. They're like, this is the law. <laughs> like you guys didn't explicitly say, don't do this. And that's, this is what the law says. Like this would have become not deductible, not deductible anymore. Uh, but they, you know, they've done a lot to like manipulate those loans. But one of the big things is like that first round of loans, most banks blew through their money, like bailing out big customers first. And like right. all yeah. of the small businesses didn't get to keep going, but yeah, like they did have conditions like that. Like you were saying, Jacob, about not being able to reduce uh, workforce, but 
there was some logic to it and I hate to say it, but like, you know, they capped how like the people who could be paid with the loans basically and how much you could pay them. So you couldn't say like, if it was the Mason Joseph company, I couldn't fire you and Matt and then just pay myself 70% of the loan. Gotcha. Mm. That was the idea. So like you wouldn't have people who, you know, managed to get a loan and then liquidated all of their staff and then went out of business anyway. But because right. they complied yeah, with the letter of the law, they didn't have a problem. So, you know, there's, there is some logic to that kind of reduction, but yeah, there were, you know, being in the business I work in Jacob, there were several businesses where, who were like, uh, so do I just pay them and they don't do anything if I get the money? <laughs> like, you know, right. they, they, yeah. they like some of them could be open, but they closed because no one was coming in. So right. Like, well, actually, that's something they mentioned the in this article. <laughs> yeah, and this is something they mentioned in this article a little bit was uh, – actually, let me see if it's in the beginning, but kind of Ron Yates. Let me see if I have the quote for it. Um, I don't have the quote pulled up, but he – like he, actually, here's one of the quotes. He says, like – he says, this is a silver – I actually, he, they, they, I don't know if it's the way they wrote the article or him in general. I'd, I'd be curious to meet him. Maybe, maybe he'll come on the show at some point. But uh, he has this quote where he says, uh, "At least our vineyards are getting a whole lot more attention than they normally would at this time of year," <laughs> which I thought was really was really nice because people are concerned, which I I, I find very, uh, I guess, heartening. Is that like people are concerned that these are going going to go out of business because they can't do the business they normally do. Yeah. Uh, people like, you know, like Maddie Kay, who wants to make sure that Coleman exists still. That's right. And, uh, and I, and I would like them to exist still. They, they, their wine is really good. And I would hate it that because they're small and that they depend on the foot traffic that they go out of business and not to, not to besmirch any of the, you know, McPherson's or Yano's or, um, uh, I, I don't know the ones that are, that are, that are the ones that are, not great, but not terrible. Like the table wine type ones. Although McPherson's, I think, is a little bit better than that. Yeah, but, McPherson's um, better than that. <laughs> yeah, McPherson's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, not to besmirch them or whatever. I would hate for these large ones that that already have the the supply lines and that they already are making the majority of their money from selling to retail locations. I would hate for them to succeed and for the Coleman's to fail as a result of the whole situation. I would also hate for now, granted, like right now, I don't think that they're eligible for the loans, but I would hate for the people who – for some sort of loan program to come through and then them get like on the hook for these loans that basically make them a, an extension of the government for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would, and, that would also um, be very bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, it's kind of it's – a, it's a very weird uh, situation. I don't, I don't really know what to – I don't know what to do about it other than like what you said is is if you like it, support it. I, I specifically ordered a case from Rowdy's Vineyard mm-hmm. because I know Rowdy and I like him and I think his wine is really good. He doesn't have the variety of stuff that I wanted, but he makes a dry Muscat that is is really good. Um, I didn't think I would like Muscat and then he he gave me a glass while I was there and he's like, hey, just try it. Just try it. It's, it's good. And I tried it and I was like, oh. Well, dry. This is actually quite a good white wine, um, and and most of the time people make sweet muscat. So, right. uh, so he has a dry muscat. Both his his malbec and and uh, his both his malbec and uh, merlot are both very good. 
as well. And so I order, end up ordering a case that was split between those. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you know a brewery, like a winery, or if you have a restaurant nearby that is opening up at minimum capacity, you know, do your best to support them because they do need, they need some help right now. And um, they're entrepreneurs. They're trying to figure things out. And this is, it, it's, you know, it's not their fault that the government decided like everybody has to stay home for two months. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that's like, so in Virginia, you know, we enter fate, we entered phase two on Friday, but governor blackface sent out a decree that everybody's got to wear a face covering. So, you know, I, we, so in the, on the weekends we take my car instead of my wife. So my wife works in home health. So she had plenty of face coverings this entire time. And She's so, you know, she wears them into her patient's home, but she's like a speech language pathologist. So it makes it like really hard for her to do her job. And then like the people aren't wearing them in the house. And a lot of times there's, you know, way more than six people in the house. Cause like somebody's had a stroke and, you know, it's just these weird homes that she goes to and whatnot. But like, you know, we keep going to the grocery store and like, I've got one of the cloth masks, like disposable ones that she gave me. And I like literally carried the same one around for like two weeks, basically. Yeah. And it's probably not good, but <laughs> um, <laughs> like, but like, you know, I just throw it in my glove box and like, I'll yeah. like, if I go in someplace to shop, as soon as I've paid them, I take it off. I'm yeah. Like, like, yep. right. okay, kick me out. Like, but what's so funny is like my wife will continually forget to bring one with her and our daughter's under four. So like, kids don't have to wear them if they're under 10, which doesn't make any sense either. Cause like those are the least clean people in society other yeah, than yeah, yeah. homeless. Um, but so, you know, we were walking around Kroger and because we only have the one mask with us, like I give it to her. I'm like, Hey, like I'm going to go in there no matter what. I don't really care. And like, I'm walking around, like they've got the big ass signs on the doors and it's like, wear a face covering. Like if you're going to come in here, wear a face covering. And you know, I could understand if the governor hadn't decreed that and a business put that up, totally wouldn't shop there, but I would respect their right to do it. Mm-hmm. Like if that's what they thought they needed to do and to, especially to cover like their liabilities, right? like, Hey, mm-hmm. no problem. But because it, the governor decreed it and they put up a sign, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. So like I'm walking around Kroger like the entire time, not wearing a face mask smiling at all the employees they're smiling back at me like you can see their face light up that like i'm not wearing the mask but then like randomly there'll be a employee from kroger just like huffing it across the store like on break not wearing the mask (laughs) like no one cares like i went out today to um I forget what I went out to do, but like my daughter was taking a nap and I stopped at a 7-Eleven. So I grabbed the mask just in case. And no one, none of the employees in the 7-Eleven were wearing it. None of the people, like there were a few older people wearing it, but like no one else was wearing a mask. Like it was just, no one even had them with them. Now this one's real close to the beach, but like no one's wearing it. And it's just like, so I think this is, we've kind of come to this crutch point where like with what's going on with the riots and all that stuff, it's why are you continuing to listen to this nonsense? Like why are businesses like still doing this? Like, Oh, 50% thing. Like most of the places here have to have throwaway menus. So like we went to the beer garden, Jacob, and we couldn't look at the, we couldn't look at their beer menu. Like I would have had to gone into the um, bar area to look at the bottled beers and like they could tell me about them, but like, you know me, like I want to go and order 
like beers that they're going to tell me they don't have after 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. But like, actually there's very few people in there right now. Cause like they're operating at half capacity, but they've got three porches. So like they can do more of their outdoor seating, which still doesn't make yeah. any sense to me, but like, you know, they've got a printed menu. So it's like, I'm only ordering from the draft and it's like, they were like, Hey, do you want to keep the menu? Like, cause otherwise we're just going to throw it away. I'm like, no, because you guys can change the menu. It's a printed menu. It's not like these laminate ones. <laughs> so like you guys could experiment, but that, yeah, that's the thing is like, I think we're quickly coming to the point where people, the people who are afraid are never not going to be afraid again. You know what I mean? Like right. there's, there's never, there's never anything you're going to do to like convince them that something's safe. And right, right. those people that aren't afraid are people like me where it's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like there's, well, yeah, there's nothing I, you can tell me now. And I think that's kind of interesting because uh, the only thing that would get me to do it is that if somebody convinced me that possibly I could hurt somebody else. But I think people like you and me, to a large degree, it's not that I don't believe it. It's just that I'm going to get sick or I'm not going to get sick. Like I'm not going to do things that are obnoxious to not get sick. I already don't do those things. Yeah. And, and that's so, the thing is like, they don't, they don't really know how it spreads still. Like the CDC came out and said, Oh yeah. Like surface to surface spreading really isn't a thing mm. a week ago. So why is everybody yeah. like disinfecting everything? Why, why can't I have a real menu anymore? Right. Like restaurants are well, supposed to wipe like the normal restaurant just- laws. You wipe the menu down every so often. Right. Uh, that wasn't good enough. Like what, during didn't the they regular flu? The, the mask thing anyway, didn't Fauci come out and say like, well, maybe we don't actually need to wear masks anymore. There, yeah. There's been like, they've flipped on that like four times because they did at, at the beginning, they were like, don't wear masks or yeah. Or no, maybe at the beginning they said do wear masks, but they were no, like, they said, don't they, that's okay, so one yeah, of the things Tom Bob have specifically pointed out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like at one point they were like, don't wear masks. And then they were like, do wear masks. And then they were like, you have to wear masks. And then they were like, well, but masks maybe will actually make you sicker because mm-hmm. people are retarded. And, and you keep wear touching them. It. Well, they keep touching it or they pick their nose underneath it or they pull it down and talk on the phone or they wear it while they're in their car mm-hmm. with nobody else. And then, then there was like a new, then there was like another thing where like people were going like, people were coming in and hadn't taken their mask off for days, not feeling well. And they would do like a blood o- oxygen sample and they'd realize that their blood oxygen was really low. <laughs> and then one, then one doctor was like, well, your blood oxygen is low because you've been wearing a mask and it disrupts your breathing. <laughs> and, and like, then they like started sampling that. And it was like, if you, if somebody came in with a mask on and you sampled them, they'd have low blood oxygen. And then they took it off for 30 minutes and you sampled them again. Their blood oxygen was fine. Yeah. And, and, that's, and yeah, yeah. And so, the thing is, like, you're tr- like, how many times people are like, "Oh, you have to wear a cloth face covering," and it's like, how many people are on the side of the road selling them? It's like, mm-hmm. so what is like this like old lady just going like, "Well, I don't have any use for my panties anymore. I'm going to make face masks." <laughs> like, the, like you know, they're like, "Oh, the N95 mask is the one you've got to have," and like you know, like all this stuff. And it's like, yes, there's clearly something that killed a bunch of people yeah but most of those people like were never actually diagnosed with it with a test that actually works and then the vast majority of them were outside of the statistical death range for their age group it's like right yeah these people normally die by 75 oh this 95 year old died 
Right. So, yeah. Well, that that was what? one thing that you know, Monica, who is a little bit more conspiracy oriented, but uh, who whose show I very much enjoy, and uh, who will probably be at Childeberg three. Mm-hmm. Um, tree, 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 tree. Um, she's like, like uh, in your mouth. She, tree. <laughs> we also we also had a, a shout out on her show for Childeberg on two episodes ago. I think that's right. Um, I heard that. Yeah, I was very happy about it. But she was kind of pointing that out too, where she was going like, I, I think that the the statistic they were quoting was like 40 or 45% of all of the COVID deaths have been in nursing homes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's on top of that in a lot of these States where they've had the higher numbers, New York in particular, New Jersey, and I think Michigan or somewhere like that. Those were the States where they ordered COVID patients back into the nursing homes. That's yeah, right. And, and that's the thing is like into the incubator. Yeah. It's yeah. technicians and not like the people who are diagnosing aren't, the people who normally diagnose stuff, they're being told that they've got to, like, if it's looks like COVID, smells like it might be COVID, it's COVID. And it's like, right. No, this guy has like, you know, emphysema or something like that from 40 years of smoking asbestos cigarettes. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't have COVID. He's got COPD. Like what right. the hell are you talking about? So yeah, there's, there's clearly something going on. And like, I think that's one of the things that we're quickly seeing is people just don't care anymore. And then like this whole protest thing where it's like the, you know, the, like I, I don't log into Facebook. The only Twitter account, like I actively really look at is like Michael Malice's just because he like, shits on people so frequently and it's so funny and like i i've just been completely baffled because it's now like starting to seep into like the little bit of because like i do a lot of redditing but like i'm on like golden black on reddit and like libertarian and so much of it is like these weird like half like oh i'm for like black lives matter and others like look how bad trump is with this response and it's like you know, he could have just ordered the military in right away with guns blazing. Like they sent the national guard in on quite a few protests in the 1960s. Shit has been worse. Like they always act like these protests are worse. It's like, no, the cops just didn't actually defend the place, which they've always done before. Right. <laughs> like, so like well, totally you can't of, trust the, the cops to help you ever. Yeah. Well, I was, I was t- that's why I was talking to Victoria about earlier today when we were driving um, something that, I mean, obviously this is something that all libertarians always complain about in general, but like, so like in New York where a lot of these protests are happening, um, they disarmed all the citizens and then they told them that they were disarmed because the police could protect them. Mm-hmm. And then they fleeced and them for money to, yeah, right. Yeah. That they would protect them. Then they, then they fleeced them all to, uh, pay for those police. And then they told the police not to protect them. Yeah. Right. And they're and talking like, about okay, like so disbanding the police. And it's like if you disband the police, do you also get rid of all their pensions? Yeah. Well, yeah, as exactly. of uh actually as of about 20 minutes before the show started, Minneapolis has voted to disband their police. I saw that. And it's veto proof apparently. Apparently, yeah. So uh, it looks like they're I'm you know, as libertarians, uh I support this uh, I I am curious to see what the transition will be because that's the thing that I'm a little bit concerned about. But in the long run, I think it will be better if people go to private policing. I have a feeling that it won't go to that. My guess is that they'll disband this police department 
and they will end up reforming the police department. Or as, just be like the sheriff. Yeah, or that, that's what yeah, I'm saying. They'll, they'll probably rely on, at least in the interim, uh, just you know the sheriff's department there. Right, yeah, something like that. Uh, I hope that it ends up becoming you know, community by community based private police. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I, you know, I, I hate to be a curmudgeon. Actually, I don't hate to be a curmudgeon. I love it, but, uh, <laughs> Embrace but, it just like I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I kind of, I, uh, I, I, my parents the other day, my mom was, uh, I, I don't remember what it was we were talking about. It wasn't about this actually, but she, I, I said something and then I went to bed, and then I, when I woke up this mor- the, in the morning, I looked at my messages, and my mom had written me, oh, look, a beautiful field of flowers, Jacob. No, actually, those are a bunch of weeds. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and, like, I was like, well, I mean, that is sort of what I said, but I, I replied, I said, yeah, I mean, that is kind of true, but at the same time, I'm offering solutions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that I think that's the... I, I'm very, very hopeful for the future. I, it, it's very easy to get bogged down in the doom and gloom. It's, it's it's easy to get bogged down in that all your favorite wineries might close because of this COVID stuff. But um, I think that it's possible that people are starting to see the uh, the Wizard of Oz, you know, through the curtain and mm-hmm. uh, seeing that it's just like some old man controlling the 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 levers of power, and that they're not. It's not real. It's an illusion, and that maybe. Maybe we'll come out on the other side of this even better than we were before. And um, like that's the, you know, I, Mason, you and I and and everybody in my libertarian group chats and stuff like that have been hearing me talk about uh, con- the Kunstler cast a bunch lately and, and mm-hmm. Strong Towns. And the one thing that I don't agree with Kunstler is, is well, I mean, I, I do and I don't is like the way that he phrases it a lot of times is he's like, we're in for a bad time and it's going to be bad. And that might be true. But at the same time, like, there's a lot of great music that came out of the depression. There's a lot of really good stories that came out of the depression. Like my grandmother didn't have an easy time through the depression, but she had a close family and they had goods. There was, you know, humans do create their own good times. And so Mm -hmm. no matter what happens, I think people who have a good head on their shoulders and family and friends, um, it, it will be hard, but, sometimes it's, it feels good once you get through something that's hard and you look back on it and you've built good connections and good relationships. And once it comes out the other side, things are better. And you, and you know, right when we came out of the depression, actually um, in the 1950s, despite what people say uh, we did have many decades of prosperity, whether good or not good, you know, it did, it did pay off and people did have good lives for a long time. And Mm so, uh, Whatever comes on the other end of these shutdowns and these protests and stuff, I'm really hoping that it ends up being just a better, brighter future. And I think that's what it's going to be. I think human humans are moving toward a better, brighter future. And um, we're going to have good wine. We're going to have good beer. And we're going to have good restaurants because people like us care about those things and are going to make sure that we support uh, our local beer, wine, restaurants, all those types of things. So. Here, here. Uh, I think that's that's everything mm-hmm. I've got left to say. Does you guys want to? I know Maddie, you got to do your plugs, but Mason or Maddie, do you want to add anything else to this part of the conversation? No, I've got nothing else to add. We get sorry, we got kind of far afield there, but uh, <laughs> you brought it back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, that, that's that's the that's, uh, that's kind of the way the show goes. That's tasting yeah. anarchy. Mine too. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of your show, why don't you go ahead and do your plugs for your show? Yeah, so you can find me most weeks on Erase the State. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at Matty K from PA or at Erase the State. Also follow my co-host at Mikey Two Names. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna. We didn't have one out last week. I, I hope we're gonna have one out next week. Um, but like I said, most weeks we come out Thursdays. So just yeah. go subscribe. Yep, yep. I subscribe. I enjoy the show. I think I think it's a lot of a lot of fun. Um, I know you had. Did you have Eric on recently? I think that was a, that was one of the ones I re- listened to. Um, I know you had me on, and then I think. Well, we had you, Eric. and then we no, no. I, so I was on Eric's show, uh, Rebel. Oh, the maybe that's what I'm thinking of. About okay. a month ago, and then I did interview uh, Stateless Cook, who was at Shoulder. Oh, say, yeah, that's right. I do remember yes. Stateless Cook. Okay, yes. yeah, all right, uh, yeah. So, um, no, 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 not Stateless Cook. Uh, Michael Barbary, um, oh, Barbary yeah. Cook. Yeah, that's Barbary right. Cook. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stateless Cook is um, somebody else who also is on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, well, but Michael's. Uh, his website, Cook. His, well, his website is Stateless Cook or the Stateless Oh, oh maybe, okay. Like then that. maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing them up. Yeah, <laughs> but I, but I think there is a second Stateless Cook floating around out there somewhere who is not mm-hmm. him. Okay. Which okay. whatever synchronicity and all that. That's true. Yeah, I know. I know. I know him as Barbary Cook. I think. Yes, <laughs> Michael of Barbary. Right. Yeah, Michael of Barbary. All right, uh, Mason. Yes. Will you do our plugs for us? Of course. So you can always find us at tastinganarchy.com, tastinganarchy on uh, Twitter, Childerberg, childerberg.com, uh, Childerberg on Twitter. So um, Gmail, tastinganarchy at gmail.com. If you want to reach out that way, we also have a Reddit, uh, Tasting Anarchy. There's a Childerberg Reddit um, as well. So if you like Reddit, you can post things into those. Uh, both Jacob and I are the moderator. So basically, um, you know, whatever you want to post that is Childerberg or Anarchy or wine related, feel free. Um, keep in mind that again, if you donate to freeross.org up to the first $100 total, uh, that is also posted with receipts to Childerberg.com or Childerberg's Twitter. I will be matching in the month of June 2020. So hopefully we can bring the total from Childerberg over $800. Um, hopefully much more than that if we can get everybody on it. Um, so. For those who produce podcasts that are Childerberg adjacent or just like talking about free Ross, feel free to post that as well. Um, we would love to see. And if you're coming from a show that isn't Tasting Anarchy, uh, post what show you're hearing the, the invite from. So, yeah. All right, I want one more plug. Uh, it is for Ron Paul Day, mm. which will be Saturday, August 22nd. Uh, we're going to do one up here in DFW area, probably at Lake Grapevine. Uh, I haven't, I don't know for sure yet. It might be at Lake Worth, but uh, we're going to do one here. Everybody who supports Ron Paul and the Ron Paul Foundation for uh, Peace and Prosperity, I think that's the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the full name. Ron Paul Institute. Uh, we're for going Peace and Prosperity. That's right. Yeah. The Ron Paul Institute, not Foundation. Yes. So, what I'm trying to do is get everybody to do Ron Paul day simultaneously throughout the country and in as many locations as possible and take up a little bit of a collection to send his Institute some money and make Ron Paul day kind of an annual thing. Um, he lives in Lake Jackson. So I thought it would be appropriate to do a Lake cookout for your respective area or, or backyard cookout, pool cookout, whatever. But, um, we're going to do one at the lake. I hope Mason, you can maybe get some friends to come over at least to the house mm-hmm. and uh, do, do something down over there in Virginia. Maybe take a picture and post it. Oh, yeah. uh, 
Maddie, I'm, I'm not going to make you do it or not, but if you can get some mm-hmm. people together in Houston and do something, that'd be awesome. I'll see what we can pull together. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I know that there's a couple guys in Austin doing it, a couple guys in Louisiana doing it. Uh, speaking of Michael Barbary, uh, he is going to get a couple people together up there in the North Dakota region, I guess, because there's Dakota? not – I think he's in North Dakota, but I know North, that there's yeah, people – there's people in South Dakota that he knows, mm. and I think somebody in Canada that might come down and do it oh, as nice. well. Oh, that'd be um, yeah, because it's. I mean, those are very large distances out there and not huge populations, so it's kind of hard to get a lot of the those types of people to come. Uh, I think that uh, somebody in the Denver area is going to try to do one, and some people over in Missouri are going to try to do one. So, uh, if you are interested at all and you have questions about it, I don't have a huge amount of information, but I'm happy to talk about it and, and sort of. Uh, encourage you to do it in your respective area and you can you can hit me up at tasting anarchy uh or at childeberg or tasting anarchy at gmail.com and i would be happy to talk to you about it and try to get this going I, i'd like to raise a couple couple hundred bucks for ron paul um, mm-hmm. he's he's got a lot of good stuff going on so yeah. uh i think that is all i've got so i will say stay free stay free peace Knock down windows and tan down doors. Drinking Afghans and calling for more. Drinking wine, for the Yodi, drink wine. Wine, for the Yodi, drink wine. Wine, for the Yodi, drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peter's town, buy some wine and pass it around. The age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine, for the Yodi, drink wine. Wine, for the Yodi, drink wine. Wine, for the Yodi, drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Horton sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilsey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling for the American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Bop, bop. Wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Bop, bop. Wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Bop, bop. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel, have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Some buys fifth and some buys four. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for the Yodi, drink wine. Bop, bop.